Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Do you dream of sending your kids to Yale, Harvard, Princeton? Forget it. Those are the universities of yesteryear. The school of the future is COC. Community Organizer College. I'm a graduate, and I just took control of General Motors. And now I'm thinking of taking over Chrysler, too. Maybe. Or selling it to an Italian bicycle company. Uh, Want your kids to run a giant company or even an entire industry like healthcare, banking, or insurance? Enroll him or her at COC Community Organizer College. Do you want your darlings to have trillions of of dollars of, of money to spread around? Apply to Community Organizer College. Our teachings are based on a major breakthrough in education. It's not what you know. It's what people 
Think you know. At COC, Community Organizer College, we don't waste time teaching English, history, math, science, or business management. We teach cool. We teach pompous. We teach teleprompter. Doublespeak, seducing the media. Community Organizer College. Where your kids can learn to run a company or a country. Who knows? Uh, maybe the entire planet. Community Organizer College. <laughs> Capacity is limited. Better act now. For an application, dial 1-800-ACORN-COC. It's not what you know. It's what people think you know. Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. 10% unemployment. No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. Yeah. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Today's date, December 13th, already, A.D., well, 2011 A.D., we're here in beautiful old town Alexandria, Virginia, looking out across, out my window right now, at a park that is just across the street. And just shortly after that is the Potomac, the beautiful Potomac, and then I can see I can see the Watergate Hotel and all the lights in the city of D.C., the town. It's very pretty tonight. We're here. <laughs> and it is a one beautiful night. Southern Sense is in the house. Earlier on her show, she played a clip from the best little whorehouse in Texas. And I was compelled. I could not help myself. I had to go get the DVD, put it in, and have the movie on in the background while I finished up some work. I couldn't help myself. Those tunes that play along in the movie are catchy and highly appropriate even for um for this time this age and i suspect that's one of the reasons why southern sense played uh, played uh, one of the songs in her um on her show earlier today listen uh let's get right down to what's happening today iran is having a field day over the latest down drone saying that president barack obama quote begs to give him back his toy plane, end quote. Quote, Obama is hoping that the Iranian government is in a Christmas mood because he has asked Tehran to send him his Christmas present. <laughs> Iran mocks Obama, who begged for his drone back, chided the semi-official Far News, Far, uh, Farce News Agency. Quote, we have asked for it back, We'll see how the Iranians respond, Obama said following a meeting at the White House with Iraqi Prime Minister Nuri al-Malaki. Iran said last week it downed an advanced RQ-7 drone. The Obama administration initially, initially denied the report, but later admitted it had lost the drone. Okay, so the President of the United States is asking politely for the, for his drone back. Knowing damn well he's not going to get it. Why even ask for it back? This is an example of what we have here in the Oval Office. 
a candy-ass president who is not respected. I can only imagine what the response would be if my man and yours, Ronald Wilson Reagan, asked for his drone back. Frankly, I don't think he would have asked for it back. He would have either sent some SEALs in, perhaps some Marines, blown the damn thing to smithereens, maybe even dropped a smart bomb on it, blown it to bits, and anybody standing anywhere near, well, so be it. Or perhaps my man Ronald Reagan would have demanded that damn drone back or all hell would break loose. I can't even imagine Vladimir Putin asking politely for his drone back. I think that Vladimir would say, give me my drone or there's going to be hell to pay. I will go to war over my damn toy airplane. I want it back and I want it now. But because we're in an age of enlightenment, we're in an age where we're we're being polite. We're being asked politely. And hopefully we, we don't we don't do the cowboy thing. Barack Obama is trying so hard not to be George Bush that he's basically making a punk of himself. And quite frankly, he's a skinny little man who probably has never been in a battle or fight ever. And anyone he's been in, he's probably gotten his butt whooped. It's embarrassing. He's the president of the United States, the leader of the free world. You don't ask for your drone back. You take it. Or you say, hey, to hell with it. We can make some more. Keep the damn thing. Hope you enjoy it. But the next drone I send over there, hey, (laughs) you just be wary. But this is what we've come to here in the United States. It's a sad state of affairs where you have to ask, where our president of the United States asks so ever so politely for his drone back. Wow. I can't imagine it. So now we've got talk show hosts offering money for presidential candidates to get out of the race. We've got my man Mark Levine offering Michael Savage a hundred k to get off the radio. We've got Mitt Romney offering bets of $10,000 for this or that. What is going on? Okay, there's such thing as civility. And then there's just outright stupidity. Angry Mom says in the chat room, Reagan would not have asked for his drone back. No. First of all, when the drone went down, Reagan would have sent in some SEALs to blow the drone up. Or a simple F-18 Hornet, 30,000 feet, blow the damn drone up. Something. But he certainly wouldn't have asked for his drone. It's amazing. It is amazing and it is embarrassing. You know, how much more embarrassing is it going to get? Not only do we have our president uh, bowing and scraping so far, so low, that you think the guy is giving the the Saudi king fellatio or something. It's so embarrassing. He's bowing to everyone he meets. It's embarrassing. He has set the United States of America back. I don't even know how far back. Because we've never really had a president like this guy before. Because America has always been about American exceptionalism. We are some arrogant, cocky folks here in the United States of America, for the most part. We are an arrogant, cocky people. Just walk down any street in New York City. New York City is known for that. And in fact, New York is, is, is loved for it. Loved for it. Because that's who we are. There's a reason why New York is supposed to be the biggest and the best and the greatest city in the world. They're all a bunch of arrogant bastards over there. And I love it. 
I love it. So now we've got articles written in the paper about Barack Hussein Obama floundering in the polls. We've got Mitt Romney beating him. We've got Newt beating him. And folks are pretty much giving Obama up for dead. Uh, and, well, not not literally. I mean, I'm, uh, wait a minute now. I mean, they've got him beaten. There we go. We don't want to use that word and the other word together because, hey, I'm not even answering the door. You can just knock all you want. I'm not answering the door. <laughs> I got some really good advice once from a criminal. He said, Jones, if the police ever come to your door, simply don't answer it. Eventually, they'll go away. I've tested that theory a time or two, and he was right. They'll eventually go away. Oh, they'll come back, but they'll go away. So with that in mind, Mr. President, what are you going to do? The title of our show tonight, the only thing President Obama has ever been trained for. It's an article written by Ray Stevens. Yeah, that Ray Stevens. And it goes a little like this. The burning question for most Americans since 2008, since the 2008 election, has been what is the change that candidate Barack Obama promised us? What's it going to look like? He goes on to say, I was suspicious when I heard Mr. Obama say that he wanted to fundamentally change America. Because I think we have a great we have great fundamentals like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, equality, a free enterprise system, a constitution that allows us the right or allows us to right our wrongs, etc. I never thought we needed fundamental change anywhere but in Washington D.C. The good, hard-working folks all over this great nation have always done just fine when Washington stops overburdening them with taxes and regulations. It's not our fundamentals that need changing. It's our incidentals, like our tax code and our restrictions on business, as well as our out-of-control spending on entitlement programs and our misguided attempt to save snail darters and spotted Owls, to the degree that we harm people's ability to earn a living. Here, here. That's exactly right. And Ray Stevens has hit the nail on the head. I can't imagine where this country is going right now. I'm concerned about it. And I wonder if you are too. You know, just a, a couple of weeks from now, just just three weeks from now, I will have turned I will turn fifty years old. Fifty years old on this planet. I've been part of the political process since nineteen eighty when President Reagan came on the scene. I follow politics since then. I've never ever felt such concern for this country until this president not even with Bill not with Jimmy Carter which I didn't know much about because I wasn't politically astute at that age but with not with not certainly not with Ronald Reagan in office not with George Sr. not with W not even with Bill Clinton but I'm deeply concerned with this president because America at this time is at a serious turning point where we can go one way or the other way. One way is that we continue with this great experiment and along with the free enterprise system or we can become something unfortunate. Something 
well, we could become a socialist country, a socialist nation where the free enterprise system is locked out, where the free enterprise system is no longer how we do business, where we have a central government that controls everything that we do. I mean from things like uh, the government, the federal government banning cell phone use in cars. That's something that's been in the news lately, where the federal government is getting involved in almost every single thing we do. Frankly, I'm having a difficult time understanding how we're really going to scale all this back. And there's some concern that one of the major candidates for the presidency of the United States, Mitt Romney, may not be as conservative as is as would be needed to turn back so many of these policies. And certainly the new president, whoever he is, can come into office and issue a variety of signing statements and executive orders uh, rescinding a lot of Obama's policies. But how 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 much before the damage is done though? Does anybody care? Do we really understand that this guy is doing this country a complete and utter disservice? It's amazing to me. I'm very much concerned about the about the situation we have here with this president. We're going to take a short break and we'll come right back. We're going to talk a little bit more about what Ray Stevens wrote. <laughs> Cuz I actually can't uh I think it's I think it's highly I think it's very funny. Hey, take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. If you haven't been listening to Socialism is Not an Option, then you're just another lapdog. And here's why. Let's get together this weekend. Hello, I'm Tesla. Anyway, your call in number is 917-388-4970. We have been listening to Annie from uh, Southern Sense, who's um, who's uh, given us some of the benefit of her wit and wisdom. Socialism is not an option in the round table roundup edition, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we'll be back right after this. Spend your weekends with socialism is not an option. David from Stay Mad Radio. Um, I call in and I wanted to uh, to weigh in on on the the uh, the title of bag. Man, your your show is right on point, and I, you know it's something I wanted to talk about for a little bit, of, you know, for a while now. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Socialism is not an option. I'm your host, Hessler. You're listening to the American Exceptionalism Edition. And we do have a fantastic show for you today. It's really a good one. It's part two. It's not your daddy's war. Welcome to Socialism is Not an Option, the Hot Topic Edition. I'm your host, Tesler. The entire political process offends me, so... Very, very interesting, folks. Uh, another call on the ra- line, and it looks like we've got Tony. Tony, is that you? That's me, baby. Look at me. I'm just looking at your showroom in absolute amazement. Uh, we saw, we were there. I mean, we saw the bullshit that occurred back in the 60s. Man, I feel like I'm going back in, in time. Don't you feel that way? Has been co-opted by all the, the leftover washout hippies of your generation. That's right. You're who absolutely has, correct. Has, and, and their kids pretty and much kids. You are all. Yes. Spend your weekends with socialism is not an option. WWWDB 24-7 Internet Talk Radio. A winter's day With my friend the dove the prompter I stand alone 
gazing out among you, watching you watch me. It's creepy, but it's too late. You chose me. I am Barack. I'm the Messiah. I'll talk of love. What they need is friendship, and friendship causes pain. Uh, Israel and Hamas, they're both the same. I am Barack, I'm the Messiah. Tear down this wall between. Have your trousers, the shirt off of your back. What makes you think I'm satisfied with that? I'm Barack, I'm the Messiah. And Barack feels your pain, and I think you'll be surprised. Having trouble paying your mortgage and don't know what to do? Introducing the all-new Freddie Mac Fannie Mae, where government lending just got easier. Hello, I'm Barney Swank. In the past, did someone entice you to borrow too much money? Twink you into living above your means? Force you to lie about your income in order to get a loan? At the all-new Fannie Freddie Mac Fannie Mae, we don't care what you did or what you do. You deserve the American dream of home ownership. And now, with our all-new free market loan program, you'll never, ever be able to get a mortgage you can't pay back. We'll pay it for you, for free. The government got us into this mess, and the government will get us out. The all-new Freddie Mac Fannie Mae. We're paying back your mortgage just got a whole lot easier. That doesn't mean a thing. 
All right. That went on a little too long. I didn't want it to go on that quite that long, but it did. Uh, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Listen, before we get back into this uh, Ray Stevens column uh, about uh, this hope and change deal, I'd like to remind folks that uh, the Ayn Rand Institute has a new uh, a new documentary coming out titled The uh, Ayn Rand and the Prophecy of Atlas Shrugged. And I think it's worth, you know, giving a uh, giving a uh, a look at and uh, I I wish I had the link right now to go ahead and put it up in the chat room and I'll I'll, I'll make sure to do that on a on another show, but I'd like to go ahead and play a um a brief clip from the new um Ayn Rand and the Prophecy of Atlas Shrugged documentary. So if you will uh, join with me and listen to it, uh, I think you might find it informative and, and you might want to go ahead and check out the uh, documentary when it's out. Um, so uh, here we go. Ms. Rand, do you have any comment to make about the prophecy that was made in Atlas Shrugged? Only that I'm sorry it's coming through so exactly. today she would point to almost anything that's going on in government right now and say I told you so. A devastated economy was caused by government intervention leading to more and more and more government intervention which makes it worse and worse and worse. What if all the brilliant creative people, the brilliant engineers, the brilliant inventors decided to stop showing up for work? This is her magnum opus, right? This is everything. This objectivism. This is her ideal man, finally realized in John Galt. She's got it all tied up, and she thinks this book is going to change the world. Because it is so radical, because it basically challenges 2,000 years of philosophy, that really can set some people off. Everybody practically came out against it. The left, the right, the middle, they were all against it. It was attacked in the most vicious terms everywhere and nobody came forth nobody i said don't do respect to you on john gold says goodbye to america 60 pages in your book i will never give you script approval because i can't get the movie made if i have to wait till you drop dead i will to do it the right way every time things got worse in atlas shrug they said well we need a new rule we need a new directive. It's like reading the book. Did you know that 50,000 regulations were added during the Bush administration? The Bush administration. First they tell us, you know, I'm in charge of the committee that is setting rules that could, um, you know, if you make bad rules, could destroy your industry. And then, you know, as they're walking out the door, they'd say, oh, by the way, how much money do you think you could raise for us? And that's the story of Atlas Shrugged. What happens when the looting runs dry? I'm challenging the moral code of altruism, the precept that man's moral duty is to live for others, that man must sacrifice himself to others, which is the present-day morality. Back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Ayn Rand and the Prophecy of Atlas Shrugged is a feature-length documentary film that examines the resurging interest in Ayn Rand's epic, controversial 1957 novel and the validity of its dire prediction for America. Uh, set in what uh, novelist and philosopher Rand called the day after tomorrow, Atlas depicts an America in crisis, brought to her knees by a corrupt establishment of government regulators and businessmen with political pull, uh, the looters and moochers who prey on individual achievement. And we can see this happening right here and now every single day. So I would urge you to Check out the uh, Atlas Shrug uh, 
the the Ayn Rand prophecy of Atlas Shrugged. It's pretty cool, and you might find it interesting, particularly in the fact that the book was written in 1957, and what's written in a work of fiction is happening right here, right now. That, to me, is the scariest part of this whole idea that what was written in a fictional in a fictional novel is happening now with this current administration with this president anyway so let's get back to what we were talking about president obama and ray stevens who wrote a scathing report a rebuke of Obama, his administration, and his, and his policies. He goes on to say the good, hardworking folks all over this great nation have always done just fine when Washington stops burdening them with taxes and regulations. He went on to say that it's not our fundamentals that need changing. It's our incidentals, like our tax code and our, and our restrictions on business as well as our control uh, out-of-control spending, entitlement programs, and our misguided attempts to save creatures that, hell, the, the good Lord sees fit to let them go. I didn't see anybody trying to save uh, the dodo. Of course, I wasn't here. <laughs> and I don't think many of us were. Uh, but uh, the dodo is gone, and I think that had liberals been around back then, they would have tried to save that damn dodo, the ugliest bird on the face of the earth. So, does Ray have it right? President Obama promises has promised change. And his promises of change have proven to be nothing more than the same old Washington left-wing progressive social engineering that has brought our economy to the brink of depression yet again. The only change is it's President Obama doing it instead of one of the other usual suspects. He is, however, the most divisive public servant that I have personally ever seen, and that's a change. Is Ray right? President Obama doesn't seem to be the president of all of us. He seems to be the president of the Democrat Party. He seems to be the president of the uh, 99 percenters. He seems to be the president of the so-called have-nots and not the president of all Americans. When he came into office, he said that he was going to bring about change we can believe in, that he would not be president of blue states or red states, but all of the United States, all 57 of them. But that hasn't happened because the only thing that President Obama really knows and has done well his whole life is community organize, divide and conquer. And that's what this guy really is all about. Some have suggested that Obama is the Antichrist. Some have suggested that he is uh, a Marxist, a socialist. Some have suggested that he is many things. Some have even suggested that Obama is the Messiah. Come down to earth to save us all. But he has never been known as being anything more, really, than the great divider. We had President Reagan who was the great communicator. In this case, we have President Obama as the great divider. Ray Stevens goes on to say that Obama ignores Congress and finds the Constitution out of date and limiting to his ability to do whatever he wants whenever he wants. But Mr. President, there's, that's what the Founding Fathers had in mind. I guess you forgot what you learned in school. 
So now the questions have been clearly answered as to what he's going to do. He's going to throw extravagant parties at the White House, play golf regularly, vacation often on Martha's Vineyard or Hawaii with the beautiful people, take Air Force One across America to fundraising trips, buy multi-million dollar presidential buses made in Canada for him to ride in while he goes out and makes speeches about creating jobs in America – Apologize for American ad nauseum and make speeches. Lord, will the man ever stop with the speeches, Ray Stevens writes. President Obama was, has, was only, has only been trained to be elected, and he's been very good at it so far. He knows how to smile, talk in a smooth manner, look concerned, and read what someone else wrote for him to say on a teleprompter. Yes, we now know exactly what he's going to do for the next year or so. But I wonder what he's going to do after Inauguration Day in January of 2013. Actually, I don't wonder because I really don't care. But I know exactly what I'm going to do if President Obama isn't reelected. Celebrate. Ray Stevens is a two-time Grammy uh, Award winner, multi-platinum, multi-gold recording artist who has sold over 25 million albums. His new song and video, Mr. President, Mr. President, What Are You Going to Do?, can be seen on YouTube. And I put the link in the chat room for you guys to check out. I've also put the link in for the Atlas Shrug movie and for the Atlas Shrug documentary. So check it out. We're going to take one more break here, and then we're going to get into something I I really have been wanting to talk about for the last couple of days. And I hope that you will find it as interesting when we do talk about it as I do because I can't tell you. I'm excited about it. I am deeply excited (laughs) about this this next topic to close out the show. And I think you – I think you have an idea of what I really want to talk about. We'll take a quick break. We will be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. You fall in love with a person because you regard him or her as a value and because they contribute to your personal happiness. Now, you couldn't fall in love with a person by saying, you mean nothing to me, uh, I don't care whether you live or die, but you need me, and therefore I'm in love with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, If someone offered love of that kind, uh, everyone would regard that as a deadly insult. That isn't love. Therefore, romantic love is a selfish emotion. Mm -hmm. It is the choice of a person as a great value, and what you fall in love with is the same values which you choose. Embodied in another person. Good morning, January 20th, 2017. The last day of Barack Obama's eight years as president. Eight tough years for many as unemployment continues climbing. Debt to China reaching record levels. Some analysts believe the Chinese have overtaken the United States. Eight years ago, we were promised hope. Today, many believe their American dream has been lost. The Republican National Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising. Why is Ayn Rand's great novel Atlas Shrugged a bestseller today, more than half a century after it was written? It's because our real world today is just like the fictional future that Rand foresaw in Atlas Shrugged. It's a time of crisis and decay, but it's also a world of innovation and achievement. It's a world of heroes and villains, driven by very different philosophies. We wrote I Am John Galt to tell their stories. We look at the heroic innovators who are building our world and show that they're doing it just like the heroes of Ayn Rand's novels. They're using her philosophy of capitalism, reason, objective reality, and self-interest. Who is John Galt? Meet John Allison, the mild-mannered Southerner who created one of America's greatest banking empires. He did it with Ayn Rand's philosophy by getting every one of his tens of thousands of employees to read Atlas Shrugged and live by its code. 
In the great financial crisis of 2008, his bank was about the only one that didn't need a government bailout. But the government forced Allison to take TARP money anyway. After that, Allison walked away, just like John Galt did. There's so many other Rand heroes in our midst. There's Bill Gates, the genius who built the world's greatest company and the world's greatest personal fortune, only to have his own government call him a criminal for succeeding too much. Isn't he just like Hank Reardon from Atlas Shrugged? And how about Steve Jobs, the brilliant entrepreneur who reinvented computers, movies, music, telephones, just because he thought it was so cool? He's got the same attitude toward life as Howard Rourke from Rand's other great novel, The Fountainhead. Build it? I don't care if they come. You'll meet some real-life Rand villains in our book, too. The parasites who are trying to destroy the world. Remember Wesley Mooch from Atlas Shrugged, the corrupt bureaucrat who destroyed the economy? That's Congressman Barney Frank, who spent years subsidizing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in the name of altruism. When Fannie and Freddie nearly wrecked the U.S. housing market, what did Frank do? Just like Mooch, he demanded wider powers. And you'll meet Paul Krugman, the rabid partisan pundit who spreads socialism from the pages of the New York Times and thinks nothing of using the power of the press to destroy his political enemies. He's Ellsworth Toohey, the scheming, dwarfish newspaper columnist straight from the pages of the Fountainhead. These are some of the heroes and villains who move our world. So who is John Galt? I am. You can be too. Read our book and find out how. I remember America. Sure, you can still find it on a map, but nobody older than 20 thinks this is America. Even if coordinates are the same, we've lost our compass. You don't have a direction without reference, the true north. For America, it was liberty. When we lost the love of liberty, our understanding of liberty, it was just a matter of time before the rest of it was lost. Some think it started when the auto companies were nationalized, or the police state to control the internet, or when certain companies couldn't fail because their relationship with politicians made them too big to fail, and the rest of us, without political influence, were too small to succeed. Sure, that all happened pretty quickly, over just a couple of years, but liberty had been gradually devolving for decades. Some of the more astute, like Ayn Rand, saw it about 50 years before others. She warned us. But people didn't believe it could happen here until it did. Laws had been used to loot productive individuals and businesses, but in the new millennium, under Bush and Obama, graft, corruption, and crony capitalism were no longer hidden behind closed doors. The looters and their laws came out of hiding like rabid animals that were no longer afraid of humans. It was brought into the spotlight, and it was celebrated as enlightened economic policy. Ayn Rand asked the question Atlas Shrugged that the rest of us were asking 60 years later. Which failing financial institution will the administration pluck from the flames of crisis? And which will it let roast? Which market or investment technique will the regulators bless? And which, in a capricious change of rules, will it condemn or outlaw? As John Galt said in his radio address, You decided you had a right to your wages, but we had no right to our profits. You called it selfish and cruel that men should trade value for value. You've now established an unselfish society where they trade extortion for extortion. People who had never produced or managed anything tried to manage every aspect of our lives, and they brought production to a standstill. And eventually, they decided to micromanage the food supply in the name of fairness and safety. And we all know what happened then. Fiction can be a powerful influence for good or bad. It's too bad more people didn't read Atlas Shrugged. They might have realized where this was heading. All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Hey, I just want to let everybody know that uh, stay tuned for a new um, a new movie coming out uh, in 2012 titled Lincoln. I am doing some uh, consulting work on that movie, um, some technical consulting uh, with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. I got an opportunity to talk to him on the phone. I'm going to get an autographed picture of the guy, and I'm probably going to be able to go out and meet him in California pretty soon, and I'm really looking forward to that. 
the new movie starring Daniel Day-Lewis coming out in May or June of 2012. They're just finishing up production on it now, and uh, some of us are going to – some of uh, the historians and technical advisors are going to go out and uh, review the film and and look at it and and give some – Give some input uh, for any last-minute changes that might uh, uh, that need to be made, and it's going to be a great movie. So I'd like everybody to to stay tuned for that. And then at the end of the movie, look for my name down there in the credits in the technical advisor area. It's going to be great. I'm looking so much forward to it. It's going to be real nice. But hey, uh, let's go ahead and get get this out of the way. Now, everyone who listens to this show on a regular basis knows that I'm a historian and that I do a lot of technical work for uh, Discovery Channel, History Channel, A&E, National Geographic, uh, the Smithsonian, stuff like that. You know, research for novelists and screenwriters and that kind of thing. And it's a business I got into uh, when I met a uh, a person who was actually doing that kind of work, and I thought it would be really cool to to get into that line of work because it doesn't seem like it's not all that difficult. You can make a ton of money, and you're doing something you really like, and that's a winning combination for any of us. But uh, Sunday night, I really wanted to get into uh, an audio book that I that I wanted to to finish up. The audio book is uh, the story of uh, the the biography of Lucille Ball. Who I don't really like the Lucy show. I didn't. I didn't really like it all that much. Kind of think she's just kind of a little too goofy for me. But I, I love the stories. I love reading biographies, and so I have an audio book on my iPad, and it's the Lucille Ball uh, biography, which is really cool. I mean, if you really are into biographies and biographies of actors and actresses and 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 people of that that ilk, uh, you will love. This particular audiobook, I, I am into the part where she is uh, just married, um, uh, uh, just uh, j- just gotten married to uh, to uh, Mr. Arnes. So hey, um, but so I really wanted to get into it Sunday night, uh, just after the Denver show, the D- the Denver football game, and at the end of the game with two minutes left. Tebow had not worked his miracle. Tim Tebow played for the Denver Broncos, quarterback. He hadn't worked the miracle. The miracle hadn't happened. In my mind, it wasn't going to happen. Hey, angry mom, Desi treated Lucy wrong, but I'll tell you what. (laughs) It was not a one-way street. Lucy was all over the place, throwing down ultimatums, making... She was making uh, uh, Desi uh, jealous with men like Victor Mature, and even <laughs> oh my God, I tell you, get your get your hands on the audio book. I'll even send it to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the audio book, you know, it, it, through email or something. She was she was she was given as good as she got, uh, but uh, you know, Desi was a bit of a womanizer, and she knew that before she married him. She was friends with some of the women that he had jilted, that he had sort of come and gone with. She knew what the deal was. But hey, let's get back into the Tebow thing. I knew that the miracle wasn't going to happen with just two minutes left. And the and the Bears had, had had the ball. I figured they'd run out the clock. So I turned off the television completely, turned off all the lights in my home office here, and put the audio book back on. Because I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, you know, get into the the marriage thing. Because uh, apparently Lucy had filed for divorce, and so, but it was really a ploy. It was a psychological ploy on her part. She filed for divorce. She was either going to force him to change, or she was going to divorce him. But her real goal was to force him to change. So the filing for divorce was just a farce. It was a gambit. So I was at that point, and I really wanted to get into it. So I turned off the TV. TV. Woke up the next morning and found once again that Tebow had worked a miracle, and the game had won. Now, the word miracle has been bandied about lately when it comes to Tim Tebow. What is going on with this guy? 
miracle baby. Mama was told that she should abort him or her because her life was in jeopardy if she decided to give birth, that she could die. She decided, being the Christian woman that she was or is, that she was going to have her baby. That she was not going to give up on her child. She was not going to abort her son. She didn't know it was a son at the time. She was not going to abort her child. She had the young Tebow, and Tebow turned out to be a great guy, a great young man. And well, damn it, with two minutes left and the other team has the ball, wouldn't you turn the TV off too? There was going to be no Tebow miracle this time. It wasn't going to happen. And yet, once again, he pulls it off and wins the game. Now, you know what? I'm a religious guy. And I believe that Christ died for my sins. I believe in God. I'm a spiritual person. No, I don't go to church as often as I should. In fact, I never go to church. I should, but I don't, especially during football season. I know, it's a bad thing. I should. But I still have faith. I don't understand what's going on with this Tebow guy. I suspect that God's trying to tell us something. Could it be as simple as that? As romantic as that, that Tim Tebow, that God is sending a message to us all through this young football player, that there is goodness in the world, that we can be better than we are. I don't know. I don't know. But hey, the guy is doing working wonders. Now, he sucks all to be damned as a quarterback. And my dog can throw a better pass than Tim Tebow. That's for sure. But what a great young man. What a fine young man. I would offer up my daughter's hand in marriage against her will. Because this guy is so cool. All right. I just want to throw that out there. Once again, he worked his miracle. I want to thank everyone for listening tonight. You guys are great for being here. Beach Bum, Angry Moms in the House, 2020 just cut out because this show's about to start. Head on over to 2020 show. I'm headed there. Hopefully some of you guys will too. Evil Clown, John Galt, Marine Times, everybody. Thank you guys for listening tonight. I really do appreciate it. And how appropriate. Let's keep the devil way down in the hole. And Tim Tebow is indeed great example. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. When you walk through the garden. Good night, folks. You gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole He's got the fire and the fury At his command Well, you don't have to worry If you hold on to Jesus' hand We'll all be safe from Satan When the thunder rolls We just gotta keep the devil Way down in the Close to the Lord. Don't pay. Me.
Thank you. 